look what you're doing right now is that what you want to do for the next 25 years of your life and that was something that really really stuck with me because what do i want to do um what do i want to do as a coach Welcome to the Lead to Win podcast. This week, we visit with Kevin Berge, teacher, high school baseball coach, and former school administrator. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Let's get to work. This week's guest on the Lead to Win podcast is Kevin Berge current high school baseball coach at Carthage High School in Southwest Missouri. Throughout his career, Kevin has proven to be an effective leader, not only on the baseball diamond, but also in the classroom and at the administrative level in public education. He has a proven love for developing young adults, leading them and equipping them with the tools they need to succeed. Today, we're gonna talk about leading through change and how to effectively approach change to lead your organization. Please welcome, this week's guest, Coach Kevin Berge. Coach, welcome Coach, and thanks for coming on. Coach Bergen, thanks for having me on. This is really cool because I can remember taking some road trips with you last year and we would talk about uh, your dream to do this. So um, it's really neat and I'm glad you, uh, you're you putting it together. So for those of you that don't know, uh, we are former colleagues, former college teammates. Um, we know each other well and when I asked uh, Coach Berge to be on the podcast, I knew that you know we were going to have a hard time fitting it into 30 minutes, but we're going to do our best and uh, try to provide some good insight and some things that hopefully you as listeners can take away from our conversation today. So first thing, I know that you are a Atlanta Braves fan. And yes. I just want to know kind of what this current state of affairs of being a Braves fan is right now. Yeah, I mean, it's good. We're sitting there off a division title um, as a I think I'm a really realistic fan um, to me with the roster we have. That's kind of what I always want. Like, are we in the postseason? And we are. Um, I have been a part of a Braves World Series run and it was awesome. I don't expect it every year because baseball is a funny game. So uh, the offseason is going to be interesting, but we'll see what happens. And word is we're going to sign a frontline arm. So we'll see if Bo Bergen signs for the Braves soon. I don't know if I have enough gas left in the tank for that, but I'd be open to talks. So, <laughs> um, so let's kind of get into the meat of it today. Uh, you know, like I said earlier, we're we're talking about leading through change, and um, you know, that's when you think of change in an organization, that could be either uh, within your organization or the leadership moving to a different place. Um, there's a lot that goes into changes in an organization. So, but before we get into that, just kind of start off and give us a brief overview of your journey thus far and what has led you to where you are today. Yeah. Um, and my journey is kind of interesting because I know we're going to probably get into that as we talk about some different things and some different changes, but I grew up, my dad was a, was a baseball coach. Uh, you know, we started and we lived in Southwest Missouri when I was little. We moved to Hutchinson, Kansas, and then Jonesboro, Arkansas. Um, he eventually became my high school coach. And then I moved around a little bit as well, just through my playing career. I started at Arkansas State and went to Garden City and then finished at Southern with you. Uh, as far as a coaching background, 
Um, you know, I started at Hollister uh, for one year with my dad, and then I went over to Joplin. I spent four years with Kirk Terriman, and then I, I spent one year as an interim. Um, my one year as an interim was really, really big for me. Uh, I learned so much uh, about what it took to lead a program. I was not good at it. Um, I was actually really, really bad at it. And I go back and think about my interim year at Joplin and um, just reflect on what a great experience it was for me to learn from. Um, and then I went in, was an assistant for one more year at Joplin. Then I became the head coach of McDonald County. I jumped into administration for a year. And then I just recently took the Carthage head baseball job. Yeah, there was a uh, period of time last year that, you know, when as leaders, we we kind of think about what's our calling. And uh, I, I believe I made a comment to you when you took the principal job that you probably weren't done coaching. And uh, I, I think, you know, out of all the people that I've came in contact with over the years, uh, you know, you are one that sticks out as kind of being called the coach. And uh, I, I didn't feel like you were done with it when, when you stepped into administration. So it, it's good to see you getting back into it. Um, so kind of what, what inspired you to be a coach and more, more broadly a leader? Uh, what, what kind of inspired you? What led you to uh, wanting to get into it? Yeah, role models, to be honest with you. Um, you know, we talked about my dad a little bit, but my dad was such a good role model for me. Um, and he was just a leader. He, one thing I'll always tell anyone um, about him is he was, he's just so enthusiastic. And he coached for 30 plus years. And you would have thought, the last year was his first year. Um, he was so excited and just, and he loved the, he loved the process. He loved so much about coaching. Um, Randy Coleman, my high school football coach, he was demanding and tough. Um, and he, and you know, he was one of those first guys I ever played with that played for that would get in your face. But at the end of the day, he also had this informal presence about him and he related to students really well. Um, Tommy Raffo, I played for at Arkansas state. He knew how to stay organized and implement a vision. Chris Finnegan, um, if anyone ever, if anyone listened to this played for him, the word loving comes to mind, but he was also, I mean, he was a crazy guy. He was a junior college coach. And, uh, but you knew no matter what he made you do, no matter what wall you were running through, he loved you. And then Jason Emicus was another one. Uh, Jason's a baseball guy. Jason's the guy that's been around the game his whole life, but he also, he loves the game, but he loves just pouring into to student athletes. And so you get around those guys and you, you want to be like those guys. And so becoming a leader and getting into coaching it becomes a natural step when you look up to those people. Yeah. And you, you've been a couple places, as you mentioned. Um, I kind of want to know what, What's been the same about each of those places or programs that you've been in and what's what's been different about each one of those? It's really, really hard to compare places um, because all of them are so different. I think as a high school coach, um, one thing that you have to navigate and navigate uh through is just your facility changes. Um, you know, I know that when I went from Joplin to McDonald County and then to Carthage, all of those places have great facilities, but they all have different obstacles. Um, but as far as like the other things, your leadership, the people you answer to, um, I've been very selective on where I've went. I want to make sure that I'm going to have a good working relationship with the people. I ask questions. And so really like Everyone I've ever worked for or worked with, our goals are aligned. Um, you know, we communicate what we want to see. We do those things. And so, like, those changes aren't aren't that big. Yeah. 
when so if I'm somebody that's you know thinking about needing to make a change or being called to make a change, um, whether that's for a better situation or just as for a different situation, um, what what factors should someone consider when they're thinking about making that change? Yeah, um, I kind of look for look at changes like on that level from me as a professional. Um, and, and so obviously I made a few pretty big ones throughout my career. Um, you know, I, I talked a little bit about my interim year at Joplin and, and when I decided not to pursue the head coaching job at Joplin, um, I was convinced that I was going to be an assistant coach at Joplin for the rest of my life. My uh, wife has a great job in this area. Uh, we didn't feel compelled to move. And, and so, you know, I spent a year as an assistant after I was a head coach. And, and one thing that, uh, that motivated me to make a change of school was, was Kyle Wolf. Um, you know, that year I had under him, and I'm going to call him my mentor to make him feel old if he listens to this. Um, but he just had a process. He did a great job teaching the game. And honestly, that or the way he organized thoughts made me realize that I could do it again. Um, and then I could approach some of the challenge I faced a different way. You know, when I left my job at McDonald County to be an administrator, that was a professional goal. And I thought I was at, at the time, I thought that was the natural step up when I wanted to get into education. Um, Going from administrative back, I think that my thought process was a little more clear. Um, I kind of like classify that as having like a life thought process. Um, you know, we, I was commuting and, and so my family did kind of have a little bit of a, of my family played a pretty major role in that, in that. But I also wanted to make sure I was leaving a really, really, really good job to take a different job. And I wanted to make sure that the systems in place we're going to be, we're going to allow me and our staff to be successful. Um, so like when I sat back and was approached about the job, I went through and I ha asked a million questions. And when I was kind of like getting my thought process together for this podcast, I really wish I still kept my notes because the questions I asked to make sure that change was great and, and was going to allow us to be successful. I mean, they were facilities, administrative process, how funding worked. Um, what my teaching job would be, wh what assistance teaching jobs would be, how they would be allowed to kind of work with me. And, and, and before you know it, as I went through and talked to a bunch of people, um, I felt really, really comfortable with Carthage. I will tell you one thing that really stuck in my mind when I decided to make a change. Our assistant superintendent, Holly Goodnight, she called me and she said, look, what you're doing right now, is that what you want to do for the next 25 years of your life? And that was something that really, really stuck with me because like, what, what do I want to do? Um, what do I want to do as a coach? And I went back to our graduation this last spring and I was sitting there with coach Kellen Hoover and I was watching his interaction with student athletes after they graduated. And when I sat back and looked at it, one thought process I remember having was I won't have those moments with those kids anymore because they're going to look at me through a different lens. And, you know, there are a lot of great administrators that make a great impact on students and they've done so much to impact students' lives positively. I thought with the goals, with the skills I've been given, I could make the most positive uh, impact on students through coaching. So on the, on the flip side of that, uh, maybe a maybe a leader is fine where they're at, and they but they still feel a need to happen. 
um, what what advice would you give to somebody in that role um, to help them not develop to develop some complacency or just kind of keep them out of cruise control per se? You know, I think somebody that you could really look at right now, just in modern sports, is like a Nick Saban. Um, he's been at the same place for an extended period of time. He has won a million different ways. You know, when he first got in at Alabama, he dominated up front. They were a power ball uh, run game that controlled the ball. And he saw the changes that needed to take place for his organization to be as successful as possible. And he opened up his offense. He changed, you know, NIL change. All those things that changed for him, he found a new process to help them be as successful as possible. I think good leaders are can adapt and can change like the way they've done things and are open-minded to it. I think when you see guys that like have that burnout are guys that aren't, that are scared to change or are so fixed in their ways that they won't. So when you go to, when you decide to make the change, um, obviously there has to be a mindset going into that place and you probably have a vision of, of how you want it to look and how you want it to operate. Um, What's kind of been your mindset once you decided to make that change and uh, you enter that new place? Yeah, um, you know, obviously I've kind of taken over three different programs, one at Joplin. And, and, and to be honest with you, again, I kind of go back and reflect. And I'm, I'm critical of myself when I was the interim at Joplin. Um, but my mindset there was I wanted to be tough. I wanted to be like a hard-nosed guy. Um, I thought that's what the kids needed. But what lacked there was like the relationships and then just like the general teaching. Um, and so I knew that there was a gap in my teaching. So when I got to McDonald County that first summer I was there, I was just so enthralled in making sure the kids knew the game and understand where I was coming from. Um, the relationships were probably a second there. Um, that being said, like I wasn't that, I, you know, I thought I was approachable. And so those relationships kind of came they, they, they formed and they were good. Um, when I got to Carthage, the biggest thing I wanted to do, and I actually read this like right before I, I took the job, um, was to kind of approach it like you're on a pirate ship. You're almost out of gunpowder and an enemy ship is approaching you. And so when I was sitting here trying to like form a mindset, what I wanted to do was find ways to sink the pirate ship coming at me. And if you're low on gunpowder, you're going to put a little bit of gunpowder in your cannon and you're going to fire a bullet and you're going to make sure that bullet hits the ship. And so if I missed on that bullet, it's not a big deal because I didn't waste a ton of gunpowder. And so when it's, I honed in my cannon on like making these small changes, then I was going to pour a ton of gunpowder into that cannon, fire my cannonball and sink that enemy ship. So when I took that job, um, I wanted to make sure that our vision was clear and I knew what we needed to do to make the biggest uh, impactful changes early and then worry about like those huge things, like a summer baseball program. Like just as an example, I didn't want to just go in full bore until I knew what was going on. Yeah. So piggybacking off of that, what, what do you think is the first, very first thing a leader needs to do uh, in their new situation? Meet people. Um, you know, the first thing I did was I, you know, I, I, there were some people that I wanted to reach out to from an administrative level, but I, the, one of the first things I did was, was get to know our coaches immediately. Um, you know, I wanted to know what they thought of the program, where they thought, what they thought was going really well with the program, what they didn't think was going as well. Um, 
And, and then from there, to me, I wanted to kind of communicate who I was. Um, I was very, very vague on my vision because, again, we talk about making wholesale changes that don't need to be made. I don't. I didn't want to spin my tires early. So um, we, you know, as far as like getting in, building relationships, I had a parent night. As soon as I met with parents, players were there as well. They signed up for an individual time, and I just brought players in one by one for 30 minute increments and just asked them, got to know them, asking what their interests were, things like that. But one common question I asked every single person I met was what they thought needed to be changed and what they thought didn't need to be changed. And, and so going through there, getting feedback from all those stakeholders, all those players, you started to understand like what were the, what could you do immediately to have the greatest impact on the program and have the greatest impact in players' lives. So like we talked about before, you know, sometimes it is necessary to make a change uh, as a leader, whether they stay in the same place or environment or moves on to a different situation. Um, what would you say is the one thing that must remain constant within a leader, no matter where they are? I think being open-minded and having people to seek feedback from is really important. And knowing who those people are that you trust. You know, I can go and ask some random history teacher in the building, like, hey, what do you think needs change in the baseball program? And that's not going to be meaningful feedback. Um, you know, when I was at McDonald County and when I was and here kind of talking about some changes that need to be made, um, I wanted to gather the opinions of people um, that I knew were close to the program and that they trust and that I, that I could trust and had the best, the program's best interest at heart. So, you know, after every year, you know, as a coach that was coming back to the same spot, I always wanted to know what we needed to do differently uh, and what didn't need to change. Um, you know, we always started every season on, on a fresh canvas with different goals, different things in mind. So going through, um, being able to adapt, being able to make changes that needed to be made, um, I think is really, really crucial for anyone in a leadership role. So when we, when we think about change within the organization, it doesn't always have to be a change of leadership. Changes can happen with personnel or anything. Uh, when, when changes in personnel happen, for example, what do you think are two to three important things the leader must do in order to help the organization keep operating at a high level? Um, I kind of look at that question three different ways, but I think to answer it just on a blanket of all three, I think you need to be looking ahead. Um, I think there you need to have a plan for what's going to happen if change if, if change occurs in your program. Um, I know one way I kind of look at it is what if it's somebody above me. So what if we have a change in athletic administration? Uh, what if we have a change in our you know our day to day administration? So um, and if that's and if that were to happen, one thing I always did was just make sure I go into those people and just communicate our goal and our plan. Um, communicate what we think success looks like and just communicate how we're going to do that. You know, I have uh, one thing I can tell you in, in the two jobs that I've taken on a full time basis, um, every single assistant coach that I had wanted to be a head coach. And, and so, you know, I look at a another way to look at change is what happens when you lose someone on your staff. Um, personally, like I know that when I met all three of the coaches that are on the staff with me at Carthage, all three of them want to be a head coach someday. Um, so, you know, 
one, my goal is to make that happen for him. Um, I want, I would like nothing more than to have to go hire three assistants next year. Um, one, that would mean our program was really successful. Um, and then, and two, that means those guys are going out and doing what they wanted to do. Um, and so that's, as a coach, that's our job. Um, so like on, on that note, and Bo, you and I have talked about this a lot, like, what happens if that goes on? So having those contingency plans, like who's going to be my first call? Um, and, and what does that process look like? And in my head, like I already have that process going, you know, I, like I said, I hope we lose an assistant next year because um, that means we're successful. And then as a coach, you know, in the high school game, we don't get to pick our players. We get the players that are sent to us. And, and so that you can see coming. And so having like that down the road mentality of what does this program look like in two to three years? Who are going to, who, what arms are going to get guys out uh, in two years and helping develop those guys and hope and making sure that they understand like, this is what is in store for you. Keep working, be patient while you wait. Um, there will be a role for you. And this is what we see uh, seeking their feedback. Like, Hey, is this, you know, how did this feel? Th different things like that, making sure they have a plan and, and they're ready to go once it happens. Yeah, that's a that's a great answer for that question. I I think that that look ahead mentality can apply to uh, you know not just sports but really anything. If you're if you have a bunch of people that don't have aspirations to be the CEO in their company, um, you know you're probably not hiring the right people. So that's a that's a great answer for that one. So do you do you believe that uh, the leadership quality in somebody is something that they're kind of born with or, you know, can it be taught or developed? And, you know, if, if you can teach it, what are some things that you've seen work when developing leaders? That's a really, really good question. Um, I can tell you this. I do believe that you can develop leaders. Um, I think that's tougher if they don't possess certain characteristics, but I also think you can develop those characteristics. If you have, I, I always classify everybody in two and really in two buckets. There's a bucket of people with a growth mindset and there's a bucket of people in a closed mindset. You can develop a growth mindset. Um, you know, we're doing that right now at Carthage. Uh, you know, we're working really hard on making sure that players embrace doing hard things and are open-minded um, and able to be coached. That's something we're working hard on right now. Um, but I can tell you this, if I've got a closed-minded guy with a fixed mindset, he can't be a leader. You know, I can take another guy that has a growth mindset that wants to do hard things, that wants to be to coach. You can coach them to be a leader. I think a Cole Martin, uh, who um, was a really good athlete at McDonald County, he was a three-sport kid. He had a great growth mindset. Um, when he got into all three of the programs at McDonald County, was he a leader? No, he was not. Um, but he took coaching well. He understood the expectations that we had for him. Um, and, and we taught him how to be a leader. All three programs did a really good job of that. I do think one thing, when I think about Cole, um, I can kind of remember sitting down with him and talking to him about being a leader. And, and one mistake I made with him was trying to, get make him be the leader i wanted him to be and act the way i wanted him to and that was never going to be cole martin cole martin was a guy that was going to get the work in um i think he would tell you that he didn't always love some of the work but and so 
what I noticed with him as he became a leader, he didn't sit back with a smile on his face all the time and do what we asked him to do. His mindset was, I'm going to do what coach asked me to do. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability, and I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Well, what that turns into is when when our guys see Cole Martin doing that and all of our players see Cole Martin doing that, um, they start to do it too. And when a guy's slacking off, he can all of a sudden go over and say, look, man, I'm doing it. You have to too. Um, you know, and, and, and so that became a really effective leadership style for all three programs. And, and as a result, those kids kept pushing themselves and getting better and better. So, you know, I go back and like, I would love to have Tom Brady. Um, I would love to have that leadership style. I think every coach in the world would, but you, you got, you can't make Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady through a series of events became the leader. He was what, what we can do is make sure that we can fit the leaders we have and make them successful with this, with the skill set they have. So my, my audience or my target audience listeners is uh, obviously leaders. And when you think from a big picture standpoint, what overall advice would you give to people that are in those leadership roles? And what do you think is the most important characteristic of an effective leader? I think leaders have to be authentic um, and they have to be willing to do hard things to get, to get the best out of their guys. Um, you know, another thing as far as being authentic, I think just being able to admit your faults and failures and seek feedback uh, on how you can do things better and, and just make sure that the people that you're leading see that um, is, is really big. And, and then also just helping those people that you're leading see your thought process on how you go about uh, getting better and how you go about seeking those things, I, I think is really big. This, uh, this podcast is obviously called lead to win. And, you know, when I was thinking about what do I call this podcast? Um, I wanted to encapture both leadership and winning, obviously. Um, so in your opinion, how should a leader help foster that environment of winning and you know obviously winning can be categorized in a variety of ways but um kind of what how can a leader help foster that environment of winning and also what does that what does being a winner mean to you um to help foster the environment i i think winners and leaders work towards a common goal every day and they do it with enthusiasm um, you know, we're going to get up. It's I'm going to bring guys in really early on Friday morning and, and we're going to work and, uh, you know, they're going to work out. Uh, you know, we put three trash cans in our weight room and those guys are going to be tested pre pretty tough. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to develop that growth mindset and that toughness. Well, if I walk in at 630 and I'm pretty laid back and lackadaisical, what are those kids going to do? So I think modeling the way you need to behave and the way you go about getting towards a goal is really big and it helps foster that environment. Um, as far as what being a leader or a winner means, you know, every year when we go in clinic and, you know, baseball coaches go in clinic in January, we always kind of go through and we develop like, hey, what does this successful season look like? You know, there are years where that looks like a literally a win, you know, how many wins makes us successful. There's years where we say, okay, this is our goal. And it could be something like we're going to develop 
a mindset where kids care about the program. Um, and so when I go back and think about like, what's the difference between winning and losing, I always go back to that goal. Like, what did we want to accomplish? And did we, you know, as a coach, like, you know, I've done it for 10 years and, and have I met that goal every year? No, I haven't. Um, but, and, and sometimes we play sports, we win or lose. Sometimes you do have that mentality that you lost, but on the other end, you know, you grow from those things just because you don't meet that win and lose goal. Doesn't mean that you failed, um, you know, going back and attacking what you wanted to do, finding ways to get through it, enjoying the process that, that it took. And then going back and reflecting on what you did well and what you did, did, did bad. I think that makes that winning mindset. So what is it? What does it take? What does it take to win? What does it take to become a winner? And what what are some of the ugly uh, ugly things that it, it involves? What does it take? As you've asked me questions, I keep going back to a kid I had at Joplin. His name was Johnny Maturino. It was when I was an assistant coach. Um, we I I joined the Joplin staff after the tornado, and so we were we didn't have a field. We had a practice field. There was no fence around it or anything. So, you know, it was free for all once we got off the thing. Uh, we went out for a practice one day and there was literally a human turd at second base. Um, a kid went, I have no idea how it got there, but somebody took a dump at second base. Okay. We're going out there. All the coaches are looking at it. We're arguing over who has to clean it up. And this kid named Johnny Maturino, who in all honesty, going back and thinking about my coaching career, is probably one of the stronger leaders I've, I've been around. Um, without asking, nobody asking him anything, the kid goes over, takes two pieces of cardboard that he found somewhere, picks up the turd. Um, and I know that's kind of a funny story, but on the other end, you want to talk about the dirty things that leaders have to do to win. Nobody was picking that thing up. Johnny Maturino said, if nobody else is going to do it, I'm going to do it. And, and I think that's what leaders are. Um, you know, you go back, do hard things, do things that aren't that aren't fun. Um, you know, we're going to have a group of leaders come in on Friday morning. that It's not going to be fun when they go through and, and, and do what we ask them to do. But they embrace it. They know it has to be done and they attack it. What's uh, what's been your biggest challenge uh, thus far in your career as a leader? And uh, how have you how have you approached that going into your you know your kind of your next stage in life? Um, as far as like transformation and going to a new job, I think the biggest challenge that I have faced, both at McDonald County and at Carthage, I took over a program with assistant coaches that applied for the job that I had. Um, at McDonald County, we had I believe three people on staff apply for the baseball job and then at Carthage too. And, and so that, that could be a really, really scary thing for anybody to jump into. Um, you know, one thing that I've had going for me when, when facing that all five of the people that I'm talking about were awesome human beings. Um, you know, they, they under, they, they probably didn't agree with the decision that was made to bring me in, but on the other, but on the other end, they also were open-minded, um, let me kind of seek their feedback, let me talk to them. And then, you know, they accepted their role with the program incredibly well. And without that, I don't know if we have the success we've had. And, you know, this is my first year at Carthage, so I don't know if we're going to be successful or not. But on the other end, just those two guys, um, 
just going through and saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to get better. And just understanding that has been really, really big. Okay. Last question. When you're gone, what, what do you want people to remember you by? Uh, what, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, I hope my uh, three kids think I was a good dad. Uh, that's kind of a hard question to not get emotional about, Bo. Um, but no, I, I think, I hope my three uh, kids think I was a good dad, um, you know, from like a playing career standpoint. I hope everybody I ever played with thinks I was a good teammate. Um, and I, you know, I, I look back at my playing career. Um, it did not ever end the way, I, you know, no one's playing career ends the way it wants it to. But the one thing I can kind of hold my head up about was that I was, that I did a good job being a good teammate. And then from a coaching standpoint, I just want those kids to think I cared. Um, and I, and going through and just making, making sure those guys know that I did take an active interest in their life and one of them be successful as professional, um, would be big. Okay. So I, I like to wrap up, uh, our podcast episodes here with some rapid fire questions just to kind of get, get to know you and, um, a little bit better. So first question. What is your favorite food? Bo, I think you would, of all the pizza we had, it would probably be be pizza. But this last year, Carrie and I, for our 10-year anniversary, went to Mexico. And there was an authentic just street taco stand right across from where we were staying. And ever since then, I've just just devoured those things. Um, For my birthday, my wife brought me a dozen taco de lingua. And I just can proudly say I got them all in one sitting. What is, uh, what's your favorite episode of the office? Um, that's a great question. I would probably say the safety training episode where Dwight shuns Andy. Um, you get Michael ju- trying to jump off the, t- the roof. Um, it's also hard not to do the uh, racial training, uh, just because Michael Scott's quote, uh, that's like what I, I'm trying to remember. It. It's Abraham Lincoln once said that if you are a racist, I will attack you with the North. And those are the principles I carry my workplace with or something like that. Um, that one's also pretty good. I'm, I'm not sure how big of a reader you are. I can't, I can't remember, but um, what's the last book you read? I'm offended by that because I'm an avid reader. Um, but in all honesty, I, I work in an English classroom. And one thing that Carthage does is we read 20 minutes at the start of every block. So I get an hour to read every day. Um, so I do read a lot. Uh, the last book I read was American Wolf. It's a really, really good one. Um, it's about the uh, it's it's about Yellowstone 20 years after they introduced wolves into, into that area. Um, and just like what the impact it had on everyone around the area. You get such a great viewpoint on what elk hunters thought of it and then like what people that cared about wolves thought about it. it's just just a really good read i'd highly recommend it i think i know the que- the answer to this question but uh, i'm gonna ask it anyway who's your favorite athlete of all time chipper jones uh yep. Yeah, it's it's always been Chipper's from a young age. Ever since he pulled those socks up in 1994, um, you know he was he was always been my guy. Tom Glavin, a close second. Uh, my son's middle name is Glavin, so obviously I'm I'm a big fan of him. Okay, final two questions here. Uh, 
what would you say your biggest strength as a leader is? I think I've always had a good pulse on what people are thinking. Um, and as a result can kind of adapt, uh, and make things and, and phrase those things in a way that they'll, that they'll understand and, and, uh, take a hold of better. And then, uh, what would you say your biggest weakness is or what do you plan to work on going forward? I think I can be a tad impulsive in game um, and, and let a situation kind of dictate the way I act. Um, you know, I think a lot of umpires would tell you that. Uh, but on the other end, you know, I think as I get older, you go back and, and reflect on how you could act better in different situations. And all of a sudden you start to, as a coach, you sit in that dugout and you, you don't hope for the thing that like, you don't hope for the best case scenario. You start to prepare yourselves for every scenario in a game. And that's really helped me not be as impulsive and react in a negative way. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Um, well, that, that kind of wraps it up. And, uh, again, thanks for coming on. I, I hope, uh, our listeners can grab a few things out of this episode and apply it to their cir circumstance and situation. And, uh, again, good, good luck to the Tigers, except for when you're playing the Mustangs and, uh, good luck to you this year. Coach, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, good luck to you with the podcast. I am so proud of you for taking the action steps and getting this done. It's it's really cool. Also, I know that our listeners cannot see this, but Bo Bergen has lost a substantial amount of weight and looks great. I'm always looking to get better, man. That's that's all it is. That's all it is. All right. All right. Good to see you, Bo. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Lead to Win podcast. Be sure to set your notifications to receive updates on new episodes. The Lead to Win podcast can be found on Spotify, Amazon Music, and Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Bo Bergen. Until next time, now go do the work. <laughs>